everybody. Welcome back for our third week. It's the official 615 podcast. Official 615 podcast. This is our third one. And I join again with my best friend, Greg Poe. Greg, how are you? Wow, best friend. Oh, we hey, I've been promoted. <laughs> best friend, how you I, been, I didn't even know I was in like the Elite Eight <laughs> or the Sweet 16. But uh, doing well, doing well. want to thank uh, M.L. Rose and yes. Mount Juliet once again. What a great location out here. One of the three locations. So I uh, want to thank those as well. And, yeah, we're off and running. And the, the response, you know better than me. It, it, but apparently it's been really, really good. Butch Spirit in the first week was fantastic. And then we had Rudy Kalis last week. And the downloads and the people commenting on the post with Rudy was really next level. And I feel what we have today will also be that as well. Before we get started with our guests, let me tell you about our good friends over at Wilson County Hyundai, proud sponsors of the official 615 podcast. Do you know why so many people drive from all over the surrounding counties to buy, sell, or lease cars from Wilson County Hyundai? It's simple. It's because of Payne Bone and his wonderful staff, and they offer an unbeatable experience. Family-run business, incredible reputation, and an award-winning team. It's that simple. Visit, visit WilsonCountyHyundai.com, and then go see them in Lebanon. WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Thanks, Joe. The official 615 podcast Take number three, and we've uh, had uh, our third guinea pig is coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, Joe, do the honors. Well, this young man that I worked with for a few years over at Channel 4, and uh, I just, I'm fascinated by his career. I'm fascinated by his relationships with people. I'm fascinated that he knew Luke Perry. I'm fascinated <laughs> that he is basically seeing everything from TV, from A to Z, and it's the good friend, the good man. Alan Frio. Alan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. Thank you. And anybody who calls me a young man <laughs> is good with me. <laughs> I, I, I miss you, man. Well, yeah, I, I miss yeah. you. We had some good times there uh, at Channel 4 when we worked there. And um, I, I miss working with you particularly. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. And unfortunately, the time ran out and things happen at our yeah. former place of employment and we'll get into all that in a little bit but i'm you're doing well i'm doing well uh i'm kind of semi-retired i'm doing a couple of things on on the side here but uh i'm writing some stuff getting my my act together as far as writing notes getting together organizing myself and uh um, trying to write a book with the help of my my wife Terry. She's yep. a, a very good writer, a published author, and uh, it's called The Other um, Halfway to Jupiter. <laughs> Halfway to Jupiter, nice. <laughs> and that's a long story. If you want fiction, me to, nonfiction, it's uh, it's yeah. a uh, nonfiction. Okay, and um, leave the Joe Dubin chapter out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I will. I mean, just, yeah, that's just, chapter ten. I mean, you, you don't want to you don't want to put that book where that would sell. Okay. <laughs> You know, but it's well, got a good I, point there. Well, yeah. you know, Greg is uh, copyrighted. Didn't you copyright a book, Greg? Yeah, I, um, well, I, yeah, it's in the Smithsonian Institute. It's uh, Mike Lawrence, uh, the only professional uh, blind fisherman ever, professional. Uh, it was wow. into the uh, Mike Lawrence, a long time around here, long time columnist, uh, outdoor columnist, was blind. Yet the first and only pro bass fisherman, and I was the editor, and he got inducted into the Smithsonian Institute. That uh, is very for, for uh, neat. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere down on that long, uh, that long uh, 
resume that got me to this yeah. point today with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are all together. <laughs> I mean, there's so many tentacles of what you've done, but in my consciousness, you arrived in 1989 as the very first host of Hard Copy. Yep. Take us back to those days. Oh, my goodness. It probably was the most fun I had at a at a job because yeah. it was done at the Paramount Studios in Hollywood. Now, what were you doing in L.A. at the time? Uh, well, I went to L.A. for the program. Okay. I was in Sacramento, right. California at the time. No, no, excuse me. Excuse me. When you go way back like that, I was in Philadelphia. They offered me the job for hard copy, and I accepted it. And so I left CBS. It was a CBS-owned station, and I went to L.A. And um, they said it's going to be done on the Paramount lot. They weren't sure if it was going to, but we find they finally decided yeah it's going to be on the paramount lot and it was just a lot of fun and it was um a, a program that encompassed a lot of people we took off uh, we took on a half of a sound stage and uh we just had a lot of fun doing it all right so they come to you and they say all right we're gonna do this new show that nobody was doing at the time because hard copy kind of begat inside edition and right. on and on and on how were you like, this is just crazy. What convinced you to move to L.A. and be the host of Hard Copy? Well, it was a nationally syndicated program, number one. So uh, I was working at, at in Philadelphia, major market, but it was a national. And my agent at the time said, this is a good opportunity for you to go national. And who knows what could happen after that. And um, so I took it and uh, we had to be on the on the lot at... Um, Six o'clock in the morning. Makeup was five, five wow. a.m. <laughs> and uh, you know, but it was it was also a, not only a fun job, but I learned a lot from a lot of people there. We had uh, seasoned news people from New York City right. working the program. So, uh, any you know, any good. idea it would become that popular because it was the first. Uh, well, actually, a current affair was the first. A current affair. Yes. That's right. Current affair with. Uh, uh, Murray, uh, Maury, Maury Povich, Maury Povich. Right. That's and right. he was the first. I, then we were on and we took a little different slant to it. We, he was more, uh, into, I don't know, what would you call it? Weird uh, stuff. Sleazy <laughs> kind of stuff. Sensational. And, uh, sensationalism. Yeah. Okay. The wordsmith over here. Sensational <laughs> sounds better than sleazy anyway yeah. at that point. And so that's what we were doing. We, we kind of took kind of a, a, a news angle to, to everything. And then eventually it did go kind of sensationalism. And, uh, but I left the show before it went off the air. And I went back into news. My... Um, my agent said, you know, we got an offer. I think you should take it because you'll probably never get back into news again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was then. It was yeah. another era. But and uh, I did. And it worked out fine for me anyway. At with, that point. with hard copy, I envision <clears throat> you. It, it sort of rattled a lot of chain or a lot of yeah. cages, rather that never were used to be rattled, yeah. uh, the entertainment business, the, yeah. the, the business business, just a lot of things. That, you were knocking on people's door that weren't used to having their, their door <laughs> knocked on. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And uh, George Clooney eventually, uh, uh, well, it was because of him that eventually went off the air. He says, Entertainment Tonight, which was also produced by Paramount uh, Studios, he said, you will never get another person on Entertainment Tonight unless that show goes off the air. And they said, well, you try it. And he did it. <laughs> it was something about with his girlfriend at the time. Yeah, right, I think. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, wow. Exactly. So it went off the air. 
And uh, but I was long gone at yeah, that point. Right. I, I love the story we talked about time about Henry Winkler in the what is it in the cafeteria? In the cafeteria. Tell yeah. that story again. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a, a family from Philadelphia. I worked in Philly before, right? That, and they had um, it, it was for uh, some sort of charitable organization. Uh, they gave a lot of money to this charity in in order to get a a tour from me of Paramount Studios, which was fine. And so I gave them the tour. They, they loved it. I said, well, let's go to the uh, commissary, the sit-down restaurant, and uh, have, some, have some food. Oh, right. great. Okay. So we're sitting down, and there were a bunch of people in there, and Henry Winkler walks in. Now, Henry has a production studio there, so uh, he's very active. He was very active on the Paramount lot. And uh, so we sat down, and he's, oh, there's Henry Winkler. I can't believe that. And I would run into Henry Winkler occasionally. We weren't friends by no means, by no stretch of the imagination. But, uh, you know, he knew who I was. Of course, I knew who he was. And uh, so I went up to him. I said, just a moment. So I went up to him. I said, Henry, would you mind just introducing yourself to these people? I'm giving them a tour of the Paramount lot. And he said, sure. He said, could you give me a few minutes? I said, sure, no problem. So I said, well, hopefully he will. So I said, oh, do you know Henry Winkler? And I said, well, <laughs> I just had to say something to him. I didn't want to tell them that, you know, I'd like him to come over because maybe he wouldn't do it. So anyway, we sat down, we were eating. Then he came over, grabbed a chair from another table, and he sat down and talked to them for about 15 minutes. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, they were so impressed. That made their whole tour, there just talking to Henry Winkler. And I had so much respect for him after that. They were talking to the Fonz. The, the Fonz, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were just, I mean, he was asking questions. Yeah. He, knew, he knew a lot about Philadelphia uh, because he, I think he was a New York kid, but uh, asked him a lot of questions, what they were doing, very interested in them. You know, it wasn't a superficial thing. So. That's great. The Philadelphia, is that where you start? Where did you start in TV? Uh, well, I started in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia. So I, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Philadelphia. <laughs> and I wound up working in my hometown. And, uh, you know, working where your parents are. My parents were alive at that time. And I was anchoring. And, uh, you know, my mother would call the newsroom and what kind of tie? She's an Italian mom. What kind of tie is my son wearing? And, uh, you know, and the producer would say, hey, your mom doesn't like that tie, you know. So Frio, uh, Italian? Italian and Spanish. Yeah, okay. most, mostly Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if, if I'm correct on this, your father drove for Patton? Uh, well, yeah, he was in Patton's Third Army. Okay. And he served as a guard for Patton for a little while. And uh, there's a picture that was taken with him, you know, holding a gun, about three or four other soldiers while Patton is posing for a picture, pointing at something. And uh, but, yeah, he was with Patton and he was he, he was a guard for about I don't know a month, three weeks to a month or so. And uh, you couldn't say anything bad about George Patton. <laughs> he loved George Patton. Tell me about but, growing up in Philly. What was that? What was that? Like? South Philly. South Philly. South Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. it was very middle class background. Yeah. Um but, uh, you know, everything is walkable. You know, they had they had an Italian store and they used to call it the American store, the Acme Market. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the American store and pick this up. <laughs> Go to the Italian store and pick this up. We had, uh, you know, everything was in walking distance, drugstore, hoagie shop, ice cream parlor. Uh, and then Broad Street was maybe another block away. It was everything there. It was, you know. But it was fun and walked to school every day. 
uh, didn't have any crime problems there at the time anyway. And uh, it was, you know, just an <laughs> ordinary existence. And um, my cousin dated Frankie Avalon. Whoa. Uh, I have a picture yeah, of Yeah, normal existence. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Frankie Avalon. And I later saw Frankie Avalon when I uh, worked at uh, in Philadelphia. And he was at a, we were at a benefit together. And he said, tell Angela, my cousin, who we dated. Yes. Tell Angela I said hi. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, so, so where did, along the way, did TV, is that something you, you yeah. aspired to do? Yeah. You want, tell me about just how that all well, evolved. I was very close. And how you got from Philly to Augusta, okay? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, and along the way. <laughs> a lot of work. You know, we're talking about um, being retired now, but, you know, always looking at the clock. And I worked very hard throughout my career. You know, I, I started in Augusta, Georgia. Then I went to Sacramento. Then Pittsburgh and San Francisco, Los Angeles. Um, couldn't keep a job, huh? I couldn't <laughs> keep a job. I stayed there for two years, and you know, moved my family around. Yeah. And uh, but they enjoyed it. I think my children got a chance to see the world—not the world, but the United States, how yeah. other people live. And it made them fuller people. All right. You bring up the kids. We got to hear, all right, names, faces, where they are, oh. granddad, what all's going on over yeah, there. Yeah, granddad. I'm not talking That's about that cool. too much. But, uh, yeah, my, my son Alex, he is a um, he works in Portland, Oregon. And he started out as a, uh, well, he went to University of uh, San Diego, a business major. And he worked for uh, TaylorMade. Remember TaylorMade, the sure. golf company? Oh, yeah. yeah. He worked for them. And uh, he picked up Japanese because uh, they had a big market there in Japan. Yeah. Wow. They loved golf in Japan. So uh, he, he did that for a while. Now he's working for an outdoor camping company in, in Portland, Oregon. And yes, he has children. And uh, my daughter is a pediatric nurse in um, Florida. In Miami. Okay, from Florida to Portland. Okay, yeah. yeah. Where, where do you like meet in what, the Omaha for Christmas? <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. But uh, you good have kids, good children. An affinity for San Francisco. Yeah, I love San Francisco. Why? The most beautiful city in the world. I mean, I love Nashville. I have to say that because I really do like Nashville. Sure. But the beauty of San Francisco is unparalleled. Uh, uh, and I worked. I lived in the East Bay. Worked in San Francisco, across the uh, the Bay Bridge, three or four times a week, and I, you know, every time I would go over the bridge and go through the tunnel, and then you come out and you see that marvelous skyline. I would still, you know, turn my head and, and look at it for a second. That's unbelievable. It's just a beautiful city. You, beautiful you, city. yeah, you talked about it, and then I visited, and I'm like, it is. You're right. It <laughs> it's is, gorgeous. It is beautiful. Yeah. Let me, you mentioned one time off the cuff about. Jim Jones and Leo Waters about were you supposed to go on that trip down there or, yeah. or part? Tell me about this. Well, I worked at KRON in San Francisco and uh, uh, there was an NBC affiliate and NBC had an office there. And when this all came down, they went, you know, NBC was going, of course. And um, they the news director said, uh, we'd like to send you on that on that trip because there were a lot of people from the bay area who were with jim jones oakland okay all from oakland and san francisco okay. yeah and 900 of them wow and um and most of them died uh in guyana so the news director came to me and said you know we'd like to send you on that trip with um uh, nbc 
And I said, well, I don't. He said, do you have your, your passport? I said, no. He said, well, maybe we can get around that. And then NBC decided to send a few more people, and they left the local affiliate out of it. So... But uh, I was supposed to go on that trip if if there was room. And the, co- the Congressman Leo Waters, uh, right, was from the Bay- from, from the Bay Area, Congressman, and he was yeah. killed on the. He tarmac. was killed there, and uh, a couple of other people. Uh, an NBC News photographer was killed. Reporter was wounded. It was awful. It was yeah, terrible. and that you know, and if circumstances have been a little different, that would have been you there. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Part of yeah, that. exactly. I'm glad you don't. You have a passport now? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> well, I yeah, keep it active. And, but... and we're going to talk about that. He can get into Trousdale County. Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's another country. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want to see my passport yeah, uh, all the time. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. This podcast brought to you by our good friends at Wilson County Hyundai. Go check them out in Lebanon. Payne Bone and his award-winning staff out there at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. That's the closest to Trousdale County. WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Payne Bone. Great prices. Great people. Go see them in Lebanon. Again, visit the website at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. The official 615 podcast, Big Joe the Pokester. Also, I uh, want to thank everybody again at Main Street Media, just uh, from all the way um, from Dave Gould all the way down to Chris Kulik. Uh, get in touch with those great fo- folks and what they're doing with all of the community newspapers all around the place. 15 properties approximately, and then the online stuff. And yes, even sir. the stuff Joe's doing is pretty good. Uh, so uh, I mentioned Trousdale County. You, you were on with Joe and me in one of our many other uh, things that we've done right. along the way. Some we'll mention, some we won't. Uh, the uh, But Trousdale County stuck out that you have a place over there and did even when you were the weekend anchor at, at Channel 4. Yeah, we have a place in Nashville, too. Yeah. But my wife bought that place before we met. Uh, she wanted to be close to her parents right. in uh, Macon County, which is about 15 Lafayette. Points. Yeah, Lafayette. Not Lafayette. Not Lafayette. <laughs> but although on the air one time I called... Uh, Lafayette Park, Lafayette Park. And I had to correct myself. I said, that's Lafayette Park. <laughs> but uh, so she bought that uh, back in 96 before we met. So I kind of, uh, you know, inherited the place, yeah. if you will, you yeah. know, part of it. Right. And it's a lot of it's 30 acres along the Cumberland River. Really pretty. We have some horses and uh, all rescues of horses and uh, cats and dog and one dog. So. Hey, look at you. Did you ever think you grew up in Philadelphia? You would no. have a little no. Cumberland River. No, I know. My 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 parent my parents were amazed that when she, when they were alive, <laughs> he's taking care of horses, you know. And, but uh, it's a it's a it's a life out there, isn't it? It it's really beautiful. is. Yeah, it's really pretty. And uh, you know, go outside, enjoy my coffee, and uh, you know, it's very relaxing, very relaxing. Except when you have to feed the horses and take care of them and. You know, run after them and all of that stuff. The vet comes over. Regular Marlon Perkins. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you this. Uh, I'm a big Beverly Hills 90210 fan. Right. And you didn't tell me this. And I'm watching one night and there's Alan Frio (laughs) on 90210. How does Alan Frio get on 90210? Now, you didn't blink. That's And you saw him. <laughs> I did. I saw you. Yeah. blinked, then you, you It was a good it. episode. It's about the it, death penalty. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Uh, well, um, Perry would watch me on TV. Luke was Perry? At, yeah, Luke Perry. Uh, the 10 o'clock news. He would watch the 10 o'clock news. And uh, there is a book uh, where uh, people have agents and their names and everything. So he called my agent. My agent called me up and said, hey, uh, Luke Perry would like you to be on 90210 <laughs> playing a newscaster. I said, well, that's all right, fine. And so I went to the 
uh, general manager, or actually the news director, and I said, hey, you know, uh, they want me to be on this Fox show for playing a newscast. Oh, no, you can't do that. I said, but do you realize, because it was a competition, I said, do you realize every time I'm, I'm on it, they're going to see me and think of this station? Right. Well, you got a point there. <laughs> and so they let me do it. And um, I went to, the, it was just a terrible place. It was uh, where they recorded it. I forget where it was recorded, it, just a bad area. It was an industrialized area of uh, Los Angeles. And um, I met Luke and I was on the makeup chair and all of that stuff. Because he directed the episode. He directed the episode, yeah. And uh, he said, uh, now here's what we want from you. He said, you play a newscaster. I said, well, I am a newscaster. <laughs> and he said, all right, well, you know, you know how to do it. So they put me on the set. And uh, the copy was written in such a way that... Uh, you thought you were back at Channel 4. I thought I was back in Channel 4, and I, yeah, I, my heart was the, beating, uh, the, my the heart was beating is, fast. I, I almost fainted. Isn't oh. that bass backwards? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was a kind of a bulletin. You know, when yeah. things happen, yeah. uh, you have, I said, you know, we have a breaking news story to tell you about. And he said, yeah. Why don't we do that? I said, because, you know, I said, this is a big deal. It's about the death penalty. And uh, he's he's not going to be put to death. And he's all right, let's do that. Well, it was taken out by the script supervisor because of time. So they, I had a bigger part, but they cut that part because of time. But, now, this continued a relationship between you and Luke Perry. Yeah. You know, he would call up and uh, say, hey, good newscast, which was very nice of him to right. do that. Yeah. You know, and uh, leave me a... Uh, either a voicemail or uh, an email. And that was very, very nice of him to do that. And also, he had a place in Dixon, uh, a whole bunch of acreage there. And I saw him on the plane. We were coming back from Los Angeles. And uh, I said, hey, Luke, how are you? Fine, how are you? We talked for a little bit. But yeah, I, you know, we continued to, um, I guess, communicate over the over the years. Yeah. And then he... He passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, he was, he was beloved in Dixon. Oh, I mean, just yeah. like one of the regs yeah. at the meet and three. Yeah, there and he was just, just a nice yeah. guy and never took himself seriously, <clears throat> but took his work seriously. Did you, uh, when you found out he passed away, did, did you, I, were you at work at that? I, don't I was working, okay, yeah. yeah. I was working. I did the story on, you know, uh, he suffered a stroke and uh, went to Vanderbilt University and and talked to a doctor about it and, and, and things like that. Yeah, so, uh, but he was really a good guy, you know, passed way too soon. Right. How'd you get to Nashville? Tell us about that. That's a, that's weird. Well, uh, <laughs> if Joe would have said that, I would have gone, you're weird. <laughs> you're weird. <laughs> you're weird. <laughs> well, we, uh, my wife was working at, we, uh, at uh, one uh, television station, and I was working at a competing station. We were both anchors. And um, my station was taken over by Fox. Her station was taken over by CBS. And uh, we both had targets on our back because we were making a good amount of money. So they wanted to get rid of us. So they did after our contracts expired. (laughs) (laughs) True to form, they said bye. And uh, so she said, you know, I have a place in uh, near Nashville. I'm on 30 acres. And they go, why don't we go out there? I said, yeah. So we sold our house, made some good money off of the house because we were in it for a few years and moved out here. We've been out here for, no, since 2004. 
or 2003 or four, something like that. We should have Terry on instead of you. I know, yeah. <laughs> in, in the Channel 4 gig, how'd that come about? Uh, well, Terry got the job first at Channel 4. We anchored the weekends together for about two years, and that was a lot of fun. But um, she got the job first as a um, health reporter. And uh, who was the news director at the time? He was working at Channel 2, remembered me from San Francisco. This is a very small business. <laughs> and he said, hey, would your husband be interested in working at uh, Channel 4? And I got the job. And he said, we'd like to put the two of you on on the weekend. Would you mind doing that? I said, great. So we reported three days a week, and we were off the same days and worked yeah. the same days and anchored the weekends. So it's perfect a little uh, partnership right yeah, there. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. And health reporter wasn't Joe Dubin, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, not at all. I, I told you one time that I had to cover, for some reason I worked at another station, I had to go cover a, a hard news story. There was a soldier that uh, had died here in unfortunately here in middle tennessee and they sent me out to cover the story and i'd gotten there and my news director was all excited that we had the story first and then i said well we didn't uh he's like well why how come we didn't have it? i'm like well alan frio came from channel four and my boss at the time had so much respect for you that all he did for 10 seconds was cuss on the phone about how you're here and now nobody's gonna watch what i'm doing nobody's gonna watch what i'm doing anyway and that frio was here and now i'm leaving out the uh yeah. A few uh, curse words. The expletive deletes. Yeah, start with exactly. an F. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. And I didn't really know you that well. Right. And then you showed up and then dominated the story. And I was like, this is why I need to go back to sports because uh, <laughs> I can't do this. This is not well. I don't know who I am. And they know you. So there was a lot of things that you had, you know, you were just an anchor. You had to get out in the community. Oh, yeah. Still report. Three days a week, actually. So. Well, and, and the weekend is a whole different animal, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, because... Most of the people work a routine during the week, all of the news reporters, and that's... And they're that, off the weekends. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so if anything breaks, you yeah. know, you're scrambling, yeah. I would imagine. That's yeah. a whole different animal, right? Yeah. And uh, I didn't mind it because I was working with my wife for a while, so we had, <clears throat> we had the same hours, practically. And um, But, yeah, it, it was fun doing that. Yeah. What are some moments in your, we talked about the time that the, were you on the air in Philadelphia when the gentleman killed himself? Yes. Uh, but I wasn't on the air. But were you working in Philadelphia at the time? I was working at Philadelphia at the time, but I wasn't on the air per se. It happened around the noon hour. <clears throat> Live TV. Live TV. And uh, from Harrisburg, took a gun and shot himself on the air. And a lot of people witnessed it. The cameras didn't couldn't move fast enough because it happened so fast. And that's uh, he was getting indicted on something the next yes. day. I, I forget the name, uh, his name, but uh, he was a state official, high state official, who was being indicted, and he said he was innocent, and uh, he took a gun and boom, boom. Any other pleasant things you can bring <laughs> up <laughs> over there? Well, we talk about moments in careers, and where were you? Like nine eleven, where were you then? I was working in San Diego at the time, and I remember covering that story, you know, uh, from San Diego. And uh, <clears throat> I just couldn't believe it, you know. I mean, we were all in shock, like like the rest of the world. Right. But uh, And there's a lot of military bases out there in San Francisco. Yes, yes. So that would have been something where you probably didn't. I did receive, though. I was living at an apartment because we, we still had our house in Los Angeles. So I was living in an apartment while I was working in San Diego. And there was a, uh, a business card from the FBI agent on my door. And he said, we'd like you to 
contact us. And he said, what did I do? You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> what the hell did I do? So I called him up, and he said, um, it was a very quiet complex. And he said, um, did you happen to see so-and-so, so-and-so, two of the, uh, uh, the people who were aboard that plane? Wow. <clears throat> and I said, no, because they used San Diego as a place to learn how to take off and how to operate the plane. And I said, no. He said, did you see anybody at all? We're looking for any kind of leads on them. Uh, of course, they all died, but they wanted to know more about them, but I never saw them. But the FBI agent said two of the, uh, the people who commandeered that flight lived in my complex, which is kind of weird. <clears throat> that is kind of weird. Yeah. Is that something you go back and you tell your bosses and like, hey, they knocked on my door. I mean, there's yeah. a fine line between getting personal and telling a story. Yeah, that yeah, I did. Know. Yeah, but the FBI wouldn't talk about it, of course, because he said it was ongoing investigation. So, yeah, uh, that's that old adage too. You don't the news reporter doesn't need to become the news. The news, correct? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting over an allergy here, but are you uh, that's allowed in this part of the country? Is that allowed? Oh, oh yeah. my goodness, yeah, yeah, it's awful. I thought it was bad in Los Angeles, but it's worse here. <laughs> right. The allergies. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about, and you know, we 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 talk a lot of questions and we ask a lot of things, and uh, you, you let them go over at Channel Four, and we've talked about this because I'm in the same situation you were, Alan. Not to get too personal, but yeah. you, you, you seem great. I mean, it's good yeah. to see you. It seems like sometimes that can be a shock. I know it hurt for a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But sure. it's, it's, you seem to be doing well. Yes. I remember getting the call from the general manager saying because of uh, COVID, we're releasing a number of people. Uh, supposedly, they didn't have enough money, which was right. Yeah, yes. we know that. Right. But anyway, um, you know, I was in shock receiving a phone call and she put me over to the um, HR director at that point. And um, so we were talking about that and I was in shock. And I, I got to tell you, you know, after working at a station for 14 years, uh, no, 17 years at that point, uh, I, a tear, I did get emotional about it. I, I welled up a little bit because you're being told your services are no longer right. needed, you know. And not even without a Dear John letter. With nothing, yeah. nothing. Hey, Alan, uh, we're going ah. a different direction. Bye. Thank you. Here's the, here's the HR director. Boom. <laughs> you know? And so that was that. And after about a week, uh, I, I healed quite easily from it because there was a lot of stress working there. And um, it got better week, day after day, week after week, month after month. And... Uh, I remember after about two months, I was mowing the lawn and it started to rain. And I said, oh, damn, uh, I can't finish this. And I said, wait a minute. I could. I could do it tomorrow. And if it's raining tomorrow, I could do it the day after right. or the day after that. I remember talking to Rudy, who gave me a call shortly after uh, they let me go there, saying, you know, what's great about this? Every day is Saturday. <laughs> Every day is Saturday. And it's so true. And see, uh, Joe, you can heal. <laughs> yes, I'm trying you, to. You can heal. If I talk to people like Rudy and Alan, I can get there eventually God. and do all that. But I, selfishly, I miss you because we had we had a great time, a time on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I just enjoyed working with you. And then we had Daphne Delora yeah. there for a while. And so and my whole goal was to was to make you laugh and everything. And I tell people. And you a, did a good job. There's a very funny story that I laughed at one time because they, they added a story at 10 o'clock. And on the prompt, they had a story late. Something's happening in Africa, the country of Djibouti, right? <laughs> and it's not spelled Djibouti, like J-A-Dash. Booty, right? right. It's 
DJH. Well, I saw it come up in the prompter, and he just added the story. I'm like, oh, my God, there's no way I know it. I know Alan doesn't know it. I got to watch this. And it came up, and it was breaking news. And he was just like, so you got through it. So then I do a tease in sports. All of a sudden, you say, Djibouti. Djibouti. I was like, yeah, Alan, Djibouti. We had Djibouti. Things like that make me laugh. But, you know, a, a boss, a news director boss, or would, would hate that. Oh, they would hate but it. But it showed that we're fallible. Right. That it's just funny, and there's exactly. this moment that happened. I'll never forget that. Yeah. People just like the interaction between us. There are three distinct personalities. Yeah. You know? I, I was kind of the straight man. And uh, it worked. And people yeah. in the audience, and you've dealt with this for so many long with the, the audience endears to you, and they you're in their home, and they love, and when you left, a lot of people were not happy. Well, yeah, you said they got a lot of emails. emails. I was gone at that point. Yes. But I did receive some emails from people who found my, my email address. And, uh, of course, Facebook, Instagram, that type of thing. But, um, you know, that's life. It happens. And uh, you just have to be well prepared financially. And if you're not, it could be a problem. But, the TV news business, not particularly right. one station or another. No. But in general, how do you feel about it today? I think it's going, it's in a, a downfall, unfortunately, because they're hiring a lot of people who are inexperienced. And uh, I've witnessed that at uh, our, our former station. Um, and they just stack shows. They don't care. And the writing is just awful. Not now, we're talking about in general. In general, yes. yes. And now I'm not talking about national news, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, and CNN. But I'm talking about local news. I think uh, the corporate entities have got a hold of it, and they, they just want to cut, cut, and cut. And bottom line. Is there a solution to improving this? Invest more money in the product and hire good people. You know, I think that would I don't know if it'll turn around because a lot of people, uh, a lot of the young people, the Gen Xers and the millennials, they're not watching local TV news. or reading the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. Or read the newspaper. Yeah. You know, there's too many other uh, places to go, unfortunately. And uh, but I think they should cater to the people who are watching the over 60 crowd. And but they don't want to hear that. But right. uh, the. Uh, the consultants will tell them, oh, you can get them by hiring a younger person, you know, and that's really not the case. You know, Dimitri is going back to teach over at Lipscomb yeah, University. Good for her. If you had the opportunity to talk to young journalism students, what would you tell them? Right. What's the advice you would give them? First of all, learn how to write. <laughs> First right. and foremost, learn how to report. Uh, I think in many colleges, they they give them too much time to write a story. They say, go out and do a story on X. Okay. They give them two weeks to do it. Well, as you know, we don't have two weeks to do a story. We have maybe two hours. Right. You know, an hour, three hours, four hours at the most. And I remember when we had interns at the station, they were amazed. They said, we can't believe how fast you have to turn around right. these stories. Yeah. I said, well, this is real life, unfortunately. So learn how to report and... Uh, and learn how to write. Writing is, is just important. You know, that's that's the business. That's the core of the business. As you're speaking to a award-winning writer to my right. Well, writer. my advice these days would be run as fast as you can in yeah. the other direction. Yeah, the other direction, yes. yeah. But if, yeah. You, but if you insist on going right. into television but news, then. There, but you know, as you mentioned, but now there are probably more opportunities 
than ever because of all of the everybody's got a podcast, everybody's sure. got a social media platform, even you know, and, and the everyone's trying to reach that demographic that quite frankly is a moving target. It is very much so. Yeah. There's too many there's too many uh, devices out there, you know, and as you said, podcasts and, and things like that. But um, well, I tell people, I mean, you got to provide content. So provide yeah. good, decent, fun, entertaining yeah. podcasts like right. Greg and I are doing. Well, yeah. names and faces, names and faces will always sell. Absolutely, but I think a lot of that's that's another problem. I think you hit on is that they don't want anyone to stand out because they may ask for more money. A terrible way to they, do that. Yeah, it's awful. So Greg, quit asking questions. We don't have to fight. <laughs> that's why I've got fourteen jobs. Right? Yeah, I hope yeah. we all have to but do that's that. Just, that's a, we talk about consultants. You know, I hate consultants. They're and, awful, and what they're doing to. <laughs> you're right. You know, the consultant we had at Channel Four lived hundreds of miles away yeah. from here. Yeah. How does he couldn't pick out Gallatin or Crosdale no. County on a map? No, of course not. No. And uh, they they continue to give them hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and saying, uh, we just don't have the money to pay good personnel. Well, you're paying these folks right. <laughs> all of this money. So it's just terrible. Well, Alan, I, uh, I again, I think the world of you. Uh, well, thank you. I know you were so you busy. And we had to drag you down here. from oh, God, <laughs> God. Join my coffee. But you're right. When we started the Greg, I was like, I got to get Alan on because I just think you have a fascinating career of. Uh, so many stops. You've seen so many things, yeah. and not only TV, but in life. The Luke Perry stuff I'm fascinated with. So I'm glad, though, you and Terry are doing well. Yeah, so and, far and things so are good. good. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing well, too. Can't stop a train. All right, that's the conversation with a good friend, Alan Frio, on the official 615 podcast. And, Greg, again, uh, another guest, third time in a row, where we learn about the person which we're fascinated with, and Alan certainly was that. Certainly the official 615 podcast. Uh, the the train is rolling. As yes. we were mentioned, we don't know where it's going to end or even if it can stay on the track. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're, we're having a lot of fun with it. Again, thank ML Rose here yes. in Mount Juliet uh, at the Providence Place and, and all the locations, the best burgers. They really are. They, they knock it out of the park. And uh, so uh, We appreciate Lisa Hurley yeah. and the fine folks at ML Rose. Again, that's the official 615 podcast brought to you by our friends at Wilson. County Hyundai. Check them out online at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. We'll see you next week, my friends. Have fun.